bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobiel. And now, today's word. This will be part two of my message, and uh, it's the life in the spirit. This is part two of life in the spirit. As Christians, we live in the spirit. We live a spiritual life. Our life, although it's physical here on earth, is spiritual in essence. And it's important that we understand what it is uh, when we say uh, something is a spirit and, and what it is when we say something is physical. I taught that we are spirit beings and uh, I went ahead uh, teaching from the book of Job and uh, backed it up with other scriptures. So today I will go a little further. My subtitle is Spirit and Soul. Spirit and Soul. And we're going to look, begin by looking at the two accounts of the creation of man in the book of Genesis. When you look at the book of Genesis, uh, there are two accounts of the creation of man in chapter 1 and in chapter 2. And uh, although they seem like different actions, they are two sides of the same uh, fact or the same coin, as they, as they say. So... Uh, in chapter 1, uh, something is said about God creating man. In chapter 2, something is also said about God creating man. And we're going to find out what are the uh, unique things we should be looking at in these two accounts. Because they have to deal with who we are as human beings. So we're going to start first with the account in Genesis chapter 2. And this is Genesis chapter 2 and verse number Seven, And it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Now, if you were reading the old King James Version, it would say, And man became a living soul. But the New King James says living being. It's just a few words in, in the scripture. And one of the things we must do as we study the scripture is to know that many times a lot of ideas are compressed in just one verse. And unpacking that verse uh, takes a lot of effort because although it seems like a simple statement, in there is so much. It's a summary of so much of God uh, has done. The passage knows that man was formed both from the dust of the ground and the breath of God. The dust of the ground and the breath of God. Of course, the dust of the ground refers to the body of man. And uh, I'm not going to pay much attention there. So for the purposes of what we are looking at, I'm going to pay attention to two phrases used in the verse. The first is breath of life breath of life and the word for breath is nishema in the in the hebrew we encountered this word last week the breath of god from the book of job the breath of god is the same word here breath of life and this breath of life 
came from God. It came from God. The, the scripture actually says God breathed this breath of life into the nostrils of the man. The breath of God. The Nishema. Then there is another phrase I want us to pay attention to. And that phrase is living being. Living being. The word being is nefesh in the Hebrew. And it is also translated in English as soul. Nefesh. The nefesh comes from the nishema. So the breath produced the soul. And so this is what man became. God breathed into man and man became a living soul or a living being. So the soul of man, therefore, can be said to have come from a combination of the dust of the ground and the breath of life. So the breath of life coming into contact with the dust of the ground produced the nefesh, the soul. The soul of man is a product of the breath of God and the dust of the ground. It's very important. The word soul is important and I would, I would just take a little time to explain what it is. Simply, that word in the Hebrew, if you were to literally translate it in English, would be that which breathes. That which breathes. Because God breathed into man and man started breathing. So soul, basically, nefesh, is that which breathes. That which breathes. Something that is able to breathe or something that is alive. So when you look through the, the Bible, you'll find that this word nefesh, soul, is sometimes used to describe even animals. Why? Because they breathe. They breathe. They have nefesh. They can breathe. They have this life also in them. But particularly, the nefesh refers to human beings, people as a whole. So uh, many times when you read the Bible, you'll find that human beings are described as souls. For example, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 5, Genesis 12, 5, it says, Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Now, if you, uh, if you have the old King James, that word that is translated, the people, is translated as souls. Because in Hebrew, it is nefesh. That's why when we are going to spread the gospel, we say we are going to win souls. We are going on soul winning. Now, what, what, when we say we're going to, on soul winning, basically we say we mean that we're going to bring people to Christ. But the people are called souls. So the word nefesh, although it describes a particular entity called the soul, and we'll look at that a little bit, but it also describes a human being in general. A human being in general is a soul. 
The word is further used in the Old Testament also to describe our emotions and our passions. My soul thirsts for the Lord. And when you read such things in the Bible, it talks about our emotional passion, our desire for God. So the nefesh, although it describes a human being, it also describes the emotion and the passion. It also describes the mind, the intellect, the memory, understanding, knowledge of man. It also describes the will of man. Other times, nefesh can mean the character of a person. Now, because this one word has so much application, it can mean anything that breathes, including animals. It can mean a human being. It can mean the emotion. It can mean the will. It can mean the mind. It can mean your character. Interpreting it is always not that easy. And, and that, you know, is one of the reasons why uh, interpreting the Bible is not as simple as it is written there, so it means that. Because you have to understand the context within which a word is used and what it means within that context. Because one word can mean a person, and another time it means the will, or the mind, or even an animal. So, if you don't translate it well, you are going to come up with all kinds of theologies that are not in, in agreement with the fullness of the Bible. But all I'm saying is that the word nefesh, which is translated soul, is a very broad word. So, that is what we get from Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. And uh, uh, just to also... Note that the word nefesh in the Old Testament is not translated as spirit. It is translated as soul or will or a human being, but never as spirit. Because there is another word for spirit. We encountered it last week. So then we will go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. The other account of the creation of man. Genesis chapter 1 verse 7. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I've said this many times in, in preaching that in the Bible, repetition of words is very, very crucial to understanding what is the intent, what is being communicated. So when you, you, you see a verse and you see several words repeated, created is repeated, image is repeated, then it means something particular is being communicated to us. So in this passage of Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, the word created is used three times, just in one verse. God created, he created, he created three times. And the word image is used two times. And the word God is used two times. So if you just take those repeated words, the, the three words that you must pay attention to uh, is God, because it's repeated twice, created, repeated three times, image 
twice. So if you summarize the whole of Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, it will be God created image. God created image. Everybody say that together. God created image. Now if you look at Genesis 2 verse 7, God breathed and man became a living being, but it doesn't say image. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, it says image, it doesn't say a living being. So they, they are both addressing different aspects of the human being and how God brought them into being. Are you following me? All right. So God created image. That's the most important thing. God's image is created. In Latin, God's image is imago Dei, the image of God. What does that mean? When the Bible says God created man in his image, what does that mean? Because that, that word is used only for man. It's not used for the animals. It's not used for the trees. It's not used for any other thing. So God created image. What is the image? Because the image cannot be nefesh. Why? Because the animals also have nefesh. So what God created, which he calls image, cannot be something that other creations share. It is very unique to man. Are you following me? So there's something God created in Genesis 1:27 that is called image. And it is unique to man. Nobody shares it. Nobody else shares it except God himself and man. The animals don't have it. God has created them. They have nefesh, but they don't have image. So it's important then to discover what image is. What is this imago Dei? This image of God. What is it? What is it about man that is the image of God? The Hebrew word that is translated as image, there uh, in verse 26, there are two different words, image and likeness, but in 27, only image is mentioned. So I focus on image. The, the image, the word that is translated as image is basically something that looks like you. Something that looks like you. It's like your picture. Something that looks like you. So God created something that looks like him. So what is it about man that looks like God? Is it our nose? Is it our hands? Is it our height? Is it our skin color? What is it? Of course it cannot be our physical being because God is not a man. So the image cannot be the physical body. That, that's totally off. It cannot be the nefesh too because the animals have it. So it's left us with only one option that the image can be, which is unique to man. The image simply means God's kind. And what is God's kind? God is a spirit. God is a spirit. The image is spirit. 
who God is. In essence, God is a spirit. This does not mean that man is God, but it simply means that man has something that God has. Not the fullness of what God has, but something that God has. And that is spirit. Now, if you look at the passage, it says that this image or this spirit was created by God. The word used for creation in this verse is the same word that is used for creation for the beginning of the creation process in Genesis chapter 1. That means God originated it. God originated it. It is totally from God. It originates from God. It comes from God. And the most important thing you would find is that this image is given to both male and female. Male and female created he them. So the male and the female both have this imago day, the image of God, spirit. Now the difference that what 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 distinguishes it is that when you go to the Genesis 2 account, especially when you go to verses 21 and 22, it says that later on God took the rib of, a, uh, of Adam and made the woman. So if you're looking at that account, uh, it would then tell you that the woman came from the man because God took from the rib and made the woman. But if you go back to the original in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, the creation of the image, God did not give one something to give to the other. He gave both of them equally image. And that is the basis of the equality of men and women. Spirit. Male and female, he created them as what? As image. And that is why in the New Testament, it, this doctrine is affirmed. In Christ, there is neither male nor female. Why? Because both male and female have image, spirit. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.